Card Games TV One podcast. What do the community need or want? So many things on my mind. But something I notice that happens a lot in the community, like online at least, because that's where you get to see videos, right? Is that a lot of times people request or they ask for certain things of certain content creators, for example. Um, and the content creators, you know, they, they, they make some time and try to provide, you know, that request, right, the content that people are asking for. But the irony is the people that ask for it don't support, you know, the content, the content that they requested. Like, they literally ask for something, and then they're not supporting it, right? And the way you support is through sharing, through liking, through commenting, right? Through, through making sure that you let the person who made the content that you requested know that you appreciate it. You know, because it's, it, just, it just seems weird, right? You know what I mean? Like, one validating point of creating something for others is their feedback, right? Is, is, is seeing the appreciation. I mean, it's not that different from, like, Somebody asks you to cook them something to eat, and then you make them something to eat, and then, oh, thank you, right? No, no, no form of appreciation. No, um, no feedback. You know, in case maybe there was some, maybe there was something wrong. Maybe there, you know, you could be grateful that somebody made you something to eat and you ate it, and now you're not hungry anymore. That's cool, no? But maybe there could have been something that could have been improved upon that you. You know, you could have shared that that insight, that feedback, right? You know, critique, as they say. But you know, sometimes people don't even don't even do that. You know, they'll ask for something, but then once they get it, then they act like the job is done, as it were, or or it doesn't matter anymore. Because it was funny, like for me personally. From my from my experience is that I, I I would have people who complain about you know wanting some you know gameplays for example um, I noticed that my gameplay videos um, don't get as much attention as my deck profiles do which is kind of ironic considering the fact that gameplay is more requested than deck profiles but the deck profiles are the ones that's getting the most attention right which is you know it's just the irony this is part of why you know as a content creator I'm not one but I'm just saying like in general for people who are content creators most of y'all gotta understand that you need to make sure that what you're putting out there is not what people want because usually what they want is temporary or it's not really what they, or they want it, but they don't deserve it, right? Because it's like, what's the point of giving somebody something they want when they're not going to really appreciate it? You know, most people tend to, this is something I see a lot when, when it comes to like in life in general, a lot of people be like, oh, I want something, I want something. Like they'll be like, they want a laptop or something. And once they get it, then they, then they act and behave as if the laptop is, is, is not important. It's not valuable. So what was important was wanting the laptop, not actually getting it. So, you know, just like somebody wanting a Lamborghini, like, oh my God, it'd be so cool to have a Lamborghini. It's like, okay. And then they get a Lamborghini, but they barely drive it or they barely do anything with it. It's like, you know, they act like it's, oh yeah, it's a Lamborghini, not a big deal. It's like, what do you mean it's not a big deal? It was a big deal before you got it, right? So that's the, the thing that I, I see a lot you know, like the same people that, that wanted me to play competitively, right? Like, where are they? You know, where's their feedback, right? Where's, you know, where are they when it comes to the fact that I have played, you know, my decks? And that was the main uh, request, right? Was is like my decks being played competitively, which I did. 
it's not like I met deck somebody else's deck and went to like tournaments or locals and stuff and played other people's you know decks I played my decks yet I barely see any response any reaction to the fact that I did not only from you know the naysayers but also from the you know people who like my stuff in the first place I barely see any anything from them I definitely see very little feedback because you would think that the people who like my stuff would share my stuff uh, react to my stuff interact with my stuff you know more I do like it when I when I hear somebody you know is trying something or inspired by you know, one of my deck ideas or something like that. Where they have some some suggestions, you know. Some ideas to improve the deck that, you know, actually does improve the deck. Like, that actually would make the deck function better in, in what it was meant to do. You know. But typically when somebody does, you know, give feedback, it's usually either just to say something negative or just to... Or they'll point, or they'll, or they'll ask questions. Well, there's one or two scenarios. They ask questions either to disagree with whatever you know uh, answer I give them for their question, or the very few rare occasions when they ask a question and I give them an answer, they you know they do accept the answer, which is very rare because most people who are asking a question is are only are only they. It's like it's obvious they they know the answer. Like, they know why I don't play certain cards and stuff like that. Like, they already know the answer to the question. They just want to have a scenario where they get to where I respond with the answer, right? The reason why I don't use a certain card. And then they just want to um, disagree. And it's like, that, that's, 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 that's the purpose for the question. That's the point. So, you know, obviously that's labeled as trolling. And it's like that's it. You just you just wanted to troll. You just wanted to tell me what you think, right? Tell me your opinion on something, on using or not using a card. And it's like okay, if you like the card and you want to use the card, go ahead and do it. That's that's your decision, not mine. I don't care if you use the card or not. But what does matter is whether I choose to use a card or not. If I choose not to use it, then I choose not to use it. If I could play the game without it, I could play the game without it, right? You know, yeah, like it's it's almost you know an example of that would be like like a like a fighting game like Street Fighter or something. And let's say all I play is Ryu. I don't use none of the other characters. I just use Ryu. Okay, well that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But some people will, will think it's wrong with that. Right? Some people will complain and be like, oh no, you should you should play the other characters. You know? And it's like, no, I don't. I just gotta get good with one. And that's it. And that one beat all the others. And that's all I need. Right? All I need to do is master one character. And once I master that one character, it, uh, I will be able to do all the things that I want to do. Especially if the end, go the end goal is to be winning. So if I could win without super combos, then so be it. If I could win without playing counterplays, then so be it. If I could win... If I could win with without battle cards, so be it. If I could win with without extra cards, so be it. If I could win without unison, so be it. Obviously, it's gonna be hard to win without a leader. Um, well, being present, I mean, I could win without using a leader per se. I could literally just grab any random leader and just focus on the main deck and just do nothing with the leader. Like that'd be that'd be funny, right? To build a deck where literally the leader serves no purpose. So then you're essentially playing the, the game without a leader. Obviously, <laughs> I can do stuff like that. I have proven before that anything is possible. And that's the funny thing is some people like to assume that things aren't possible. They want to believe things are one way and there's only one way when there's actually multiple ways of doing something. Um, and I've proven that already. But the funny thing is I, I don't get the feedback. I mean, I recently got some feedback, which was nice. But it was just ironic that the feedback was in IRL, right, in real life. So some people that uh, didn't know 
are aware of me, are aware of me, people I didn't know that actually watch my stuff, watch my stuff, it's like, alright, I appreciate that, just would be cool to know that that's the case online, right, so, I have a lot of, like, the term is used is lurker, lurkers, lurkers, so I have a lot of people in, in the closet as a way, right, <laughs> Hiding the fact that they watch my videos. So that's ironic. But I've had some, you know, some positive feedback. Or I should say feedback in general. Because it's very rare to get feedback nowadays. I used to get way more feedback. Like in 2019, 2000, you know, 2020. But over the past two years, yeah, the feedback has been drastically reducing. There's been like one or two people that still, you know, believe what they believe and still want to tell me things that they believe. But the funny thing is it's based off of lies, which is the irony. <sighs> Hopefully those people are doing doing good now, you know, doing better. Because it does concern me when there's people that make judgments or talk to me as if they know me, but they don't know me, right? Because they're so hung up on, like, some old stuff they heard about me. Or an assumption. Oh, my God. That it used to be so funny. Now it's just sad, but it used to be funny. Where, where people used to, um... Ah, oh, shit, starting to ring, God damn it. <clears throat> Time to relocate. Oh. <laughs> it used to be, you know, so funny that people would would literally you know tell me you know what I think or what I believe and I'd be like uh no none of that what you just said was true I never said that never believed that why are you lying on my name right so I've had that scenario happen a couple times before people literally trying to tell me what I've said or what I believe in or what I know or don't know. And it's like, where, where is this coming from? This is a weird, weird idea, right? I can understand, you know, maybe I've said some stuff that people probably don't believe. Like, they don't believe. Like, because they don't know if what I'm saying is true or not. That's understandable. But to say that I said something I never said, or to say that I think or believe something I never think or believe, that's... Right, that's an issue, because you literally have people out here, you know, like they'll be angry at you for something that you never did or said, you know. And shit, I was recently, you know, in a in a scenario where I was talking to somebody about a different topic, but they changed it and then they tried to change it into something else, and then they wanted to argue with me about some of the stuff I said. You know, um, and it's like, well, that's that. This conversation is proving my point. It's proving the fact that it's like you want to believe what you want to believe. You don't care about the truth. You're not listening to what I'm saying. You're just using what I'm saying as 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 an excuse to argue. You want to argue just for the sake of arguing, which you know, of course, I classify it automatically as trolling. It's like it, you know, it's trolling. I mean. I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt that you're trolling and not literally, uh, you don't legit, legitimately believe in what you're saying. Because if you do, then I'm concerned for you because that means you have some mental health issues. And, um, well, I don't want to make this the issue worse by continuing a conversation that's just going to encourage uh, these false ideas, These, especially if the conversation is turning negative. Like if the conversation is turning into somebody getting angrier and angrier complaining and trying and trying to tell me I'm wrong about something I said and it's like even though what I said wasn't wrong it was just my viewpoint or especially if I said something about myself and then they try to tell me I'm wrong or I'm lying like what I'm not wrong or lying this is something I, about myself that's true and I just told you something that's true but you immediately want to say that it's a lie 
which means you're, you're using opinions and feelings over facts. Whatever I say is a fact, especially if I'm talking about myself, it's a fact. If I say, you know, I went like two weeks without, you know, undefeated playing a certain deck, then that's, that's a fact. Until you have proof that, it, that it's not a fact, it is a fact until proven wrong. So it's just weird that in this modern day time, people want to immediately uh, uh, want to believe that something is not true off the bat. They want to believe it's, it's a lie until there's quote unquote further proof that it's true. So like I will literally have to show somebody, you know, back to back gameplay of me playing a specific deck to prove that I went undefeated with a certain deck or something, if that was the scenario. So it's just, you know, the ridiculousness of the fact that you could tell somebody that's something that's true, but they won't believe you until you give them quote unquote proof. And it's like, damn, I got proof that what I said was true. And see, cause the funny thing is it will, t- you know what's so funny about proving something to be true or false is that it takes less to prove something is false than it is to prove something is true. It's harder to prove something is true than it is to prove something that is false, right? So if somebody lies, it's way easier to prove that they lied than it is to prove if they, they told the truth, right? So that's why if you believe somebody's lying, you should be able to easily and quickly prove that they're lying because proving that they're lying is easier. Proving someone is telling the truth, that's harder. Therefore, it's like we shouldn't be quick to dismiss somebody, something somebody said. If somebody says something was true, then it's true until you can easily prove that it's a lie. But if you can't easily, if you can't easily prove it's a lie, then it's the truth. That's the whole point. Because something that's a lie is easy to prove quickly. Something that's true is hard to prove quickly. Therefore, that's why it's a tr- the truth, because it's harder to prove the truth, right? because you require so much to prove something is true. But a lie, something that's not true, is way easier to prove it. That's why it's so ironic that people wanna believe that things ain't true. That's why even even though I, I had, that's the funny thing, even with proof, right? Even when I have proof that some you know something is true, like when I'm like, hey, you can play a 60 card unison deck and, and and do really good with it you know you could definitely do a lot of damage for some strange reason there are people who will disagree they will say nah it can't be done it's impossible but then I make a video proving that it does and think about how much time and effort was put into that you know I had to make a deck for it then I had to you know then I had to go go play and find an opponent, right? And then play out the game until its conclusion. And if it took me an hour to finish that that one game, then it took me an hour to finish that one game. So all that time spent just to prove that it was true, to prove it was true. Think about how, how much it took to prove it was true versus if it was a lie, if I was wrong, it would have been, it would have been quicker. It would have took less time to prove me wrong than it would have been to prove me right. So even after I take all that time to prove myself right, the irony is people still don't care. There's some people even with proof want to believe what they want to believe. Sometimes they'll even chalk it up to, oh, you got lucky. Lucky? Lucky, lucky what? Lucky that I was right? That's what you're trying to say? That I'm lucky that I was right? Not that I was just right and that's, and that, and that's just that's a fact and you were wrong. Instead of admitting that you're wrong, you want to say, I got lucky that I was right. No, I was right from the beginning. You randomly thought I was wrong. That's a you problem, you know? So then you, then I have to think, how many times have you been wrong? That's the real question. How many times have you been wrong? How many times have you said somebody, you know, something was, you know, was wrong, and it turns out that it wasn't wrong, you know? So it just shows that it's easy to you know, to claim something is, is a lie, is false, is not true because of your own personal opinion or because of your own bias, you know. Like, the fact that I literally, you know, had, had a back and forth conversation with somebody over Super Combo. Like, think about how ridiculous that is. Just the irony of the world that we're currently living in. 
you know. Even though it was extra funny, right? Yes. Like I said, it does take more to prove something right than it is to prove something wrong. That I can understand that some people is like, yo, you know, instead of, you know, me, you know, building the deck, going on untapped, trying out the deck to see if, uh, you know, the deck is good. Like the person whose deck profile I'm looking at says it's good. I'd rather just have that person, you know, show me the proof as it were. Let them put in all that time and effort and work into showing me that something is good or, or is worth the time. And I, what's extra funny is that even if the person, like I'm obviously using myself, even if I took the time to, you know, test, oh, sorry, you know, go on untap and, and play a game or two, uh, with a deck to showcase what the deck is capable of doing. Ironically, even after that, it still won't matter to most people. Most people will still not play it. They'll, they'll still play whatever they want to play or they'll do something else. It's just that sometimes I notice some people are more concerned about being right than anything else and then of course when they're proven they're wrong it's like okay i was wrong whoop they freaking do and then they move on to something else and it's like wait what so it doesn't matter so 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 proving you wrong doesn't matter so it's not like you were like oh man i was wrong i stand corrected therefore now i'm going to appreciate and be more open-minded to you know these ideas these these you know these the stuff that's different than I've than I'm used to, right? I changed my mind, right? So then I, no, they're gonna still believe what they're gonna believe. You know what I mean? I wouldn't be too surprised the person was arguing to me about super combos, considering the fact that they were trying they were trying to argue with me about it, and they were trying to state that they watch my videos, that they're, you know, they watch my gameplays and stuff. But all I all, all they they kept adding negativity. And it's like, why you keep throwing negativity? Why you keep, like, you say you saw my gameplays, you say you're not impressed. Then you say that the people I played against were, like, trash or something. Like, you, or at least you try to imply, you know, imply that they're bad, that they're not good players, this, that, and the third, right? Then you try to make it sound like you are a better player than them. And it's like, wait, what's going on here? Why, why, why are we throwing shade at people you don't know, right? It's like, it's one thing for you to talk, talk to me, you know, talk about me or to me, it's another thing to talk about other people. They can't defend themselves in this conversation. You know, talk about other people you don't know. You don't know their skill level. You assume, why? Because I did good against them, therefore they're, they're bad at the game? No. You know, and that kind of stuff. So it was just, it was just kind of, you know, that right there lets you know that there's something definitely wrong with this person this person has a i mean i'm a narcissist <laughs> i can admit that i'm a narcissist but i'm not the extreme version that most people nowadays i see are well they're so a narcissist they'll throw shade at random people like they'll talk trash about all oh, these people over here are bad at the game because i say so it's like okay narcissist much because um Unless you played them and beat them, then you can't be talking about them not being better than you, right? Now, I focus on the fact that I'm, I'm constantly improving, getting better at the game, the game. Not the meta, not the way everybody else plays, you know, the game itself. Understanding, you know, how the game functions, what works, what doesn't work. How much of the game is random? How much of it, uh, you know, is up to the player? You know, how much influence a player's decisions, you know, affect the game? You know, these are the types of details that I look for. This is what I look into. I look into, you know, what, what can happen turn one and what does happen in turn one, right? Mathematically, right? Like, what are the odds of certain things happening in turn one? What's the odds of turn two, turn three? And the list goes on. And this is why, you know, I have concepts like the first four damage, the easiest, the next two require a little effort, and the last two is the hardest. You know, that's, that, that's not just something that sounds cool to say. No, that's a, that's a reality of the game. That's something that I've witnessed 
time and time again. And four years, four to five years now, is a lot of time. And I, so it's not like the game just started last week, just came out last week, and now you know I'm saying all these things, and it's like, oh, we can't believe what you're saying. The game just came out last week. No, the game has been out for over four years, so you know, I know what I'm talking about when I'm talking. But there's the irony that there's some people instead of giving it a try, and I literally I have videos for the purpose of sharing these ideas and these thoughts and these concepts and literally gameplays it illustrates what I'm talking about. Some people are already smart enough to to get the memo, right? Some of them, some people are smart enough to just hear me talk and understand right off the bat. Some people need a, a you know, a videos, right, to understand what I'm saying. Fair enough. Some people are visual learners. Got you. That's why I made videos. So you can learn what I already know to be true through videos. I'm teaching through my videos. I'm sharing my knowledge, my experience, what I'm capable of doing through my videos. That's what they're there for, to teach, to share my knowledge, my wisdom, you know? And if you pay attention and are willing to learn, you will learn. And once you learn, you will see the truth, right? You'll see the, what, what is possible. I'm not saying that my way is the only way or that my way is the right way. What I'm saying is my way works because it works or just because it is part of the game right it's part of the aspect of the game that's like yeah you can play this game you know with a 60 card deck or um with old leaders or no super combos or super combos or uh with with an ultimate or without an ultimate and the list goes on and on of things you can and can't do or you know things you can do a lot with or without things is what i'm trying to say but the irony is, is you literally have people that, you know, believe things are one way versus the other. They believe there's only one way of doing things. And then they try to promote that, right? They try to argue with people like, no, you got to play this, you got to play that. You gotta... Help to survive. By the way, the guy who was talking So, damn, lost track of thought. Um... But, you know, there's so, so many things I gotta, so many things to deal with, you know, when it comes to the game. Man, I'm really losing track of thought. What was it that I was talking about? Shit, multitasking. Uh, the, about decks. People testing them out, people trying them out. Yeah, but you know, like that, it was just the idea that, yeah, a lot of people have a habit of naysaying, basically, right? Being negative. They want to believe that things work one way, not the other. So, sometimes you got to prove them wrong, but the thing is, is that that tends to put in a lot of extra effort to do so. Granted, I'm willing to put in the extra effort to, you know, uh, educate people, right, to put the right information out there as much as possible, to share ideas. That's the main thing I do is share my thoughts and opinions. Not, not opinions, I don't do opinions, but my thoughts and uh, experience. That's what I meant to say. My thoughts and experience and share it with people. And, you know, if it's beneficial to others, great. That's that's part of why. That's, that's the main reason that I share is for it to be benefit beneficial to others the other reason is because you know yeah i'm a narcissist right so i i want I want people to see what i'm doing i want people to be able to you know to be able to say like oh yeah that was him he did this he did that you know that's some cool stuff so i definitely like um getting credit where credit is due as much as anyone else but ironically i don't get as much credit as i should but yeah there's that but yeah it's the Interesting thing is, is you would think I would have a lot more subscribers, um, a lot more uh, shares, a lot more engagements. Um, the funny thing is, is a lot, a lot of people know of me. You know, a lot of people, I guess, do share to a certain degree um, my stuff. They just don't share it directly from, like, my uh, YouTube channel, for example, um, or my Facebook page. I barely see anything 
you know, any information saying that my stuff is being shared. And I do have indicators. I do have stuff that show me that if, if something was shared or not. It's just that I don't see a lot like I should, you know. The funny thing is, at, there was a time where I did get a considerable amount of shares, and it was usually because people wanted to make fun of my decks, right? The irony in that. But it's like, huh, it's, it's better than nothing, right? At least they're sharing it. At least there's a, there's a chance that somebody who can benefit from the information will, you know, see it and benefit from the information, right? Maybe it will inspire them to, you know, want to want to do something similar. So I know I definitely have had an influence in the in the Dragon Ball Super community, uh, game wise, community wise, but you know it's just the irony that there's some people who you know obviously have a negative viewpoint. Would it's funny they'll, they'll try to make it seem like it's my fault for not having as much of a following, you know, like subscribers and stuff like that, or views on my on my videos as much as you know any other you know content creator to me one way i look at it is because like well i'm not a content creator so no no surprise i don't have a lot of subscribers and views in comparison because you know i'm not posting stuff for entertainment purposes i'm posting stuff for educational purposes and ironically educational stuff is not uh popping right it's not as popular as it should be you know there was a time where you know, you, you know, YouTube was about education, right? It was about information sharing, but then it pivoted to entertainment. And I, I'm not against people, you know, watching some channels for entertainment purposes, but you should also be watching some channels for educational purposes to actually learn something. But there's this inherent, um, well, not really inherent, but there's this thing they've been going on for the past couple, you know, 10 years, I guess where people just start getting into this whole mindset that they know everything, you know, that their opinions are valid when they're not. Opinions are never valid. Um, and it gets to that point where somebody will literally say, hey, you could play a deck with, with only extra cards. No battle cards, no unisons, just leader and extra cards. And they'll be quick to say, no, that's, that's, that's not possible. That's bullshit, blah, 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 blah. And even if you show them proof that it's possible, still don't matter right it, ultimately they don't care they just they just they just they don't they just care to voice their opinion right at the time and when you prove them wrong well they're not quick to admit that they're wrong because they don't want to be wrong right they want to be right but nine out of ten times they're more likely going to be right uh, wrong about something which is more reason why they're not going to admit it because no one wants to be wrong right it's all about the whole feelings things no one is willing to accept being wrong. No one's willing to accept, uh, you know, hurt feelings for being wrong, right? Everybody wants all positivity. Everybody wants all of that, right? That's part of why most people who net deck typically do it more because of they want a positive outcome, and they think by copying off of somebody else they'll get it. And some people literally use the fact that they play a certain deck as a as their personality, right? As as a, as a way of saying, look, I'm a cool person. I'm a good person. I'm a person you should respect because I'm playing this deck. Like what? It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just, <laughs> it's a deck of cards. It's it's not a personality. It's not a. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not a, a val like you're trying to get validation through through card games. I mean, think about that. Um, or I mean, through a deck, I should say, and a deck you didn't even build yourself. If you build the deck yourself, then yeah, you get you get credit for that. But if you net deck, you don't get credit for somebody else's work. Right? You don't get credit for somebody else's ideas. But there's literally a lot of people out there that try to do that. Literally try to make a certain deck their personality. Um, they try to claim something as their as who they are. Like this is me. I'm I'm this guy or this gal. I represent this. Now, so, now, if people label you something, that's one thing. Like, some people have labeled me the, essentially the super combo guy, right? A lot of times people would mention. I mean, even when I was at the regionals, the, you know, I was, it was brought up, you know, the whole, like, oh, this is the guy, you know. You know, the unisons. It's like, okay. I'm the unisons guy. And then somebody else would be like, oh, man, he's the super combo guy. 
you know, it's like, okay, uh, these are the things people are, are, you know, focusing on. And, you know, I mean, better than nothing, right? At least, at least they know me. <laughs> at least they're aware of me. But it's just a little interesting that what, what I'm known for isn't what I expect to be known for, right? You know, I expect to be known for the guy that, you know, plays the game, right? That, you know, tries to come up with different, um, you know, different strategies, different concepts to make the game easier. That's what I expect to be known for. You know, the guy who's mastering the game, but instead I'm the super combo guy or I'm the hatchet guy or I'm the unison guy. It's like, hmm, that's kind of weird since that's not what I'm out here promoting. I'm not out here promoting, you know, unisons. You know, I'm not out here promoting super combos or not playing super combos, right? I'm not out here promoting, you know, hatchet per se. I mean, I do play hatchet. I do have a hatchet group, but that's because, you know, there is a level of popularity behind the leader, and I noticed there was no hatchet group, so I made one since I do play hatchet myself among other leaders. I was like, all right, well, I'll make a group so that way there is one, and, you know, I do have, you know, a lot of hatchet builds. You know, other than mono black, I do have different variants, so why not share those? And, you know, so far I got 45 members, which, you know, <laughs> seems like there's a small group of hatchet players if you if you look at it that way. I'm surprised that it's not like a, a hundred or a thousand, you know, hatchet players. So it's like, oh, okay, I guess there's a, a small small group of hatchet players. That's fine. I'm not complaining. Just an observation. Um, something I noticed. It's like, okay, very few hatchet players. Um, ironically, you know, I lost like one or two subscribers, I mean, subscribers, followers in the group. It was kind of weird because they, they both disappeared exactly at the same time, which makes me think that what it, what it probably was is that it was the same person with two accounts. So, uh, something like that. Something like that. Or maybe it was just a coincidence that one of the people that uh, un unfollowed the group Somebody else at, at the exact same time unfollow the group. Maybe that's a possibility. Um, but who, who knows, right? What was weird, though, was the fact that the person did leave the group in the first place. Um, and that was, that was strange. Um, I mean, the only reason I know they left was because of their complaints... You know, they were having a conversation with me, you know, and I was sharing some information with them. But like I was saying, they believe what they want to believe. So everything that I was saying, they were using it as an argument against me, right? They were saying that I'm joking or I'm lying or, you know, I can't be, I can't be serious, blah, blah, all this, you know, all this negativity. Like, it's like, what's going on? Where you, you, you think I'm lying? You think I'm here wasting my valuable time telling you, telling you bullshit? That's what you think? Just because you have a difference of opinions, right? Just because you believe in different things than me, therefore I must be the, the wrong one, right? I must be lying. Uh, no, you're the one lying. I'm being honest. If I tell you I'm playing a certain deck, then I'm playing a certain deck. And the funny thing is, this stemmed from, you know, asking about um, the person wants to see my deck list. For the deck that I'm take, I was I was taken to regionals, which I did take to regionals. I took it to regionals, and I played it. I played nine rounds with that deck, and the deck did really really well, even though you know I didn't win, <laughs> um, but I was very very close. But you know the point was to prove the effectiveness of 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 the deck, you know what the deck is capable of doing it. I wish I had, you know, video recordings so y'all can see it and actually see why I lost because that's that's an important detail, you know. It wasn't because the deck wasn't built right or any nonsense like that or lack of skill. Clearly not, but it was is like it would just show you like yeah, this you know, this can't happen that even with a you know, highly skilled player, right? With a lot of years of experience and a um a really good build, you still can lose. Because the funny thing is, right, because not only was I paying attention to how well my deck was doing at the event, you know, match-wise, uh, match I noticed a lot of other players. I wasn't the only player there that 
makes YouTube videos, by the way, that um, have similar scores. Like my, you know, how many games I played versus how many games they've played and whatnot. You know, very, very differently. So there's some people that some people would try to compare me to and try to say that they're probably a better player than me. You know, this uh, event, you know, shows differently. Um, because if you compare how, how many, one, how many games they played versus how many games I played, and then the other thing is how many, um, you know, how, how well they did while they were playing, whether they win or lose, you know what I mean? Winning is always great, but it's not always a determining factor if a, if a deck's good or not, right? If a player is good or not. Obviously, winning a lot just means you win a lot. Great. That, that's, that means that's a culmination of, of, um, you as a player and the decisions you made and you know the outcomes that you you gain from it right i always say the last two damage is the hardest to deal not impossible obviously but it's the hardest so if you have a way to guarantee you can deal the last two damage then of course the likelihood of you winning is higher now, when I played at my locals with this, um, um, the, the Setu Zamasu uh, Turn and Tide deck, you know, I typically won game one, game two, obviously with my point siding in and stuff like that, you know, did give them, an, uh, you know, at least the ability to put cards in the decks to um, combat, right, to try to counter. I think the reason why some of my uh, game two matches ended up in a scenario that even when I did drop turning the tides, it was hard to go for game because my opponent managed to play something for free or they put up a, you know, or they just had a blocker. And it's like, hmm, there's a possibility that what happened was is that you sided in them blockers. You sided in them cards to help you against turning tide. Not against it, just noticing it, right? Noticing that, oh, okay, that's why in game two, turning tide is a little bit harder to pull off because you are deliberately trying to prevent it, which is fair, fine, right? You have the, you, you have the ability to, to, to stop the, the combo. You have the, the ability to stop the combo. I'm not mad at it. Just pointing it out, there's like, okay, this is why, right? This is why the, the strategy is, you know, is falling short is because you have a response. You are prepared to deal with the strategy. But if, you're, if you were not prepared for the strategy, yeah, of course you would typically lose, which is proven by the turn one outcome, right? Um, then there's time. That's the other factor that went, that was going against uh, my, my turn tie deck at the time was time. You know, I will win game one. Game two, it will it will go down to my opponent. You know, I'll, I'll, um, having some type of way of you know trying to stop the strategy. And you know, they win. All right, cool for you. You were able to you know survive. Me playing turn ties twice back to back all right good for you and you win not against that but we see why but then game three when i when i'm in the position where like ah i'm i know what you i know what you you're trying to use against me since i have that knowledge now i'm able to use that experience from game two to do better in game three and i am doing better in game three but then time runs out and you win because of you know time rolls it's like ah saved by the bell I literally was gonna win next turn, but yeah, won because of time, right? So that's the difference between playing competitive and in real life. Because in real life, it would be it would be a two-one scenario because I would win game one because element surprise and you don't have anything to specifically stop my strategy. Game two, you might have cards you side in to 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 help you defend against my strategy. Good for you if it works out. If it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. But if it does, good for you. Then game three, since now I know what you have to try to beat my strategy, I will play, outplay your out to my, my strategy. And more likely, I will win that because I, I, don't, I don't side in cards, I side in experience. So once I learn how, you're, how, you, how you try to beat me, I'm gonna use that against you and beat you, right? That's part of being a good player. Where you literally just, by your own knowledge and experience, you're able to, you know, get the results you want, despite, uh, you know, not having certain cards, right? You, you make the most of what you have. Granted, there, there are limits. There's limits to experience and skill, right? Because, I mean, I can't board wipe your board if I don't have a board wipe, right? Logically. 
So there's there's limitations to to everything, right? There's limits to, you know, a deck. There's limits to uh, your your skill and experience, you know. But what I'm saying is, is try to do the most. Try to do the most with what you got, right? Do the most with what's in your deck. Do the most with your your knowledge and experience. But we all know there are limits. That's the thing. There are limits, which you know um, adds to the difficulty of the game. Obviously, right? Is the limits. You know, if you don't have the board wipe, you don't have the board wipe, right? If you don't have the negate, you don't have the negate. If you tapped out and your opponent, you know, you know, one turn kills you, then that just happens, right? You know, um, the idea is to try to reduce that, is to understand why does that happen? Why, why when your opponent reaches turn four, they're able to, you know, to take you from like six life down to zero, what how did they do it right figure out why was it so easy for them to do it but when you try to do it not so easy right and then learn and learn from that right learn from your losses because that will make you a better player so from you know my experience which is where i talk from the most um a lot, a lot of times i would notice those small details where it's like ah okay i see why you know, regardless of the fact that I have a whole bunch of 30Ks I'm swinging at my opponent, I, I wasn't able to, you know, finish them off that turn. And then, you know, put, you know, figure it out like, okay, why didn't it, why didn't it work, right? Why, why was my opponent able to survive that turn? And then take those, you know, and then take that knowledge and information and try to improve, try to come up with a strategy. Like right now I'm doing um, like some combo math stuff. So I'm like really, really working on the numbers, as they say. But one of my most recent videos was about um, power output, like the power of your, your cards per turn. So that should be very useful to a lot of players because probably a lot of players don't even think about that or consider that. They probably think that a 15K turn, you know, on turn, you know, four or five is, is still is good. When in reality, it's not. It's drastically underpowered. Um, like it's pointless for you to pay four energy for a 15k, right? As an example, 15k on turn four, and then try to use it as a win con, or even just try to use it to apply pressure. Like that's not going to really help you too well. You gotta understand that sometimes it your opponent has a big hand size by turn four, which means they can easily afford to outcombo most of your attacks, which is why you need stronger, stronger attacks. So we end up in that scenario where you need stronger, stronger attacks, then, then obviously you need stronger attacks in order to force more combo power out their hand. You know, a negate's a negate, a block is a block, so there's not much you can do against that stuff except, uh, you know, try to avoid them or whatnot, or, you know, not much you can do there, but when it comes to power, that's where you really need to focus on. You need to focus on if your opponent has a 30 card hand size, can you really go for game? I've seen people try to go for game when their opponent has a huge hand size and it doesn't work out for them, typically, right? But then when somebody else tries to do the same thing against somebody with a lower hand size, it tends to work out better for them, right? So that's, a, that's an important detail to keep in mind. Sometimes another thing is somebody will have a small hand size and they won't keep the defenses up, not realizing that uh, your small hand size is actually putting you at a disadvantage. It's actually allowing your opponent the opportunity to go for game. The best time to go for game is when your opponent has a low hand size, which is why it's important. And I understand why a lot of players like to play strategies where you draw a whole bunch of cards because, yeah, it does give you an advantage combo-wise. It doesn't give you an advantage, like, playline-wise, but it does give you an advantage defensively. So having a huge hand size is more beneficial defensively than it is offensively. Can it be used offensively? Yeah, of course, obviously attack, you know, with a, with a double strike and then dump your whole hand into the attack, obviously that can, you could use that to win uh, offensively, obviously, but that's just because your opponent can't outcombo the attack, but you don't even have to use your hand size in that capacity, right? You could literally just attack a whole bunch of 30Ks and get a similar result, get a similar outcome.
So this is the kind of stuff that we always look into. Definitely want to keep track of your opponent's um, your opponent's hand, and you definitely want to uh, take as many cards out of there as possible. So that's why you want to focus on a bigger hand. I mean, um, more power. More power forces them to have to, you know, if they don't have the negates or the blocks and whatnot, that they will have to outcumble your attacks. And because they will have to outcumble your attacks, then they will have to. Um, use up more cards so that's why i'm looking into um how many cards you can rip out of somebody's hand basically how, how many cards you can force out of your opponent's hand based off of the power that you use so let's see what was it uh turn one and turn two uh, uh you know 10ks and 15ks you know they they, they work um turn Turn three and turn four, 20Ks, and then turn five and above. Uh, well, I'll say turn five. Yeah, turn. I'll say turn five. Uh, yeah, turn five between 30 and 40Ks typically would do good. Um, turn six and above, it will have to be like 50K plus. I guess that's the best way to put it. Because, I mean, when I really think about it, it's like when you get to turn, yeah, turn five, right? Yeah, turn five. I mean, turn four, you definitely want to do 30Ks, but if the best you can do is 20Ks, then that's the best you can do, but you definitely want to um, do more um, damage as, as much as possible. So, so basically, every turn, you, the, 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 the lowest number per turn, let's put it this way, the lowest number per turn is, the lowest number per turn will have to be take 10k and times it by the turn so if you're on turn 5 50k for example your turn 4 40ks so a 40k attacker minimum um turn 5 50k minimum turn 6 60k minimum like this is the power you need to be at minimum um to help you potentially swing through this is not just one attacker this is just all your attackers like if you're swinging with your leader on turn 5 right you need to try to get that, that leader swing up, you know, up to 50K in order for it, in order to increase the chances of its attack going through, right? Because you're forcing your opponent in a position that if they don't, if, if they didn't block or negate, they have to try to out-combo the attack. If they don't out-combo a 50K leader swing, right, then they're more likely going to take that hit, right? And by that time, like turn five, by that time, they should be low on life anyway. Should have like two or one life left anyway. So this is why a lot of times you'll see scenarios where somebody will like swing with something, double strike it, dump their whole hand and be like, uh, 130K double strike. You know what I mean? Like that big ass exaggerated number because of the fact they're trying to prevent their opponent from um, out comboing. But if your opponent's hand size is bigger than yours, the whole, uh, the whole combo thing is a little irrelevant. That's why you want to look for things that can get strong on its own. They could be they could be 40k without combo power. They could be 50k without combo power. 60k without combo power. You know, you might want to be, you know, look at cards that you pump energy into it, right, and make it stronger. That way, it saves you on the whole combo combo power scenario. Especially if you don't have enough cards in your hands to even get something up to 60k plus um, power, then Having cards that can get to that number on its own will be something you want to look into. Just, you know, just just, just food for thought. Um, obviously, anything that prevents your point from comboing, anything that gets strong on its own, like Mirror Career Absorb, or anything that, you know, just, that just, uh, you know, obviously turning tides and things like that are very useful when it comes to avoiding, the, you know, uh, your opponent having a huge hand size because you literally take it away. So that these are the different strategies that uh, you know we're looking into, or I've been looking into and been sharing uh, when it comes to playing the game because I know a lot of players are not doing that, right? They're not trying to find uh, solutions to these types of problems because these are problems, right? If you're playing up against a deck that draws a lot of card, that will always be a bad matchup for any deck, unless you're playing a deck where literally it's turning the tide turbo or uh, the cell deck and dropping, you know, perfect force cell, 
like you know decks like that or chain attack trunks uh, yeah, chain chain zeno combo decks these types of decks will have a better chance against these decks that draw a lot of cards because in one turn we could drastically reduce the opponent's hand size in one shot and then take advantage of them having a smaller hand size so like i said it's like you know um you know this is the type of strategy that you need to look into you know when you're playing the game the, the most common reason you lose a match you know a game um, other than time like let's just say just flat out you lose eight life versus your opponent losing eight life is because they're capable of not losing their their remaining life you could easily deal six to seven damage it's dealing the last damage is the hardest because your opponent is doing everything they can to stop it and they more likely have the resources to do so so you need to find a way to bypass the resources that's where burn effects come in milling your opponent out is another way of winning but if the goal is to always do do a damage which is the most common way to try to win the game um that's where you've got to learn to master right learn the art of eight damage as it were because yeah you could win through an auto win con effect you can win through milling your opponent out yeah you know, you could even win through burn effects. Like, there's there's some cards that can do four damage. There's leaders that, that have the effect to essentially burn for four, right? And I always say the first four is the easiest, so those types of leaders will be very viable, right? Just deal the first four damage and then use the leader to finish the game off. Or use a battle card to finish the game off, right? So, the idea is just to figure out, you know, ways to get your opponent down to zero, right? And then... Make, make those strategies faster, right? Make those strategies work. And there's some people out there that do put in the time and effort to make those strategies work, but there are a lot of people who don't, right? <laughs> um, which is why you see a lot of the same stuff over and over again. And you be seeing people top, you know, the reason why a lot of people, a lot of the same people top is because these are the types of people who are constantly thinking of that, uh, that scenario. Like, yeah, I just need something that lets me do what I always do or want to do when I play a game so I can get the results that I want. And their play style is the determining factor of, you know, them winning. And more likely, they probably lean towards the whole um, draw power aspect, right? The whole, like, oh, let me just out-resource my opponent. The more I draw, the better chance I have, right? The, the, the more energy I have than my opponent, as in I can make plays right but i can always untap so i can always have energy to to play you know to play negates and stuff like that and i make sure my negates you know are among the best negates in the game like these are more likely the mindset of a lot of these players at top events because what they do is make the game easy for themselves but make it hard for the opponent that's why stuff like soul striker is popular that's why uh, uh gamma one gamma two was popular at the regionals that i went to because it lets you untap Tech essentially untap three energy every turn, which means you can always afford to negate. Right? You always afford to keep your defenses up. Right? You can always turn those uh, 10k, uh, you know, combo power that require one energy. You can always use them, right? So you're not limited to just super combos being the only 10k's you can use because you always have energy to, you know, to tap for one energy. Shit, I was in a scenario where I paid one energy to play my uh, Champa and use it to 10k combo, right? To out-combo a, a game-winning attack. So I got that extra turn I needed in order to go for game, right? And I won. <laughs> like, think about that. Like, you know, I don't have to get 10k for free. I could pay one energy to get 10k just as long as I get the, the outcome that I want, which is not to take the damage, right? One of the funny things is the way, you know, the mechanics of the game, it, it is simple. Um, but at the same time, within simplicity, that's also where a little bit of complexity comes in. Um, because, as, you know, like I said, comboing changes drastically uh, the outcome of certain matches. So whoever draws the most tends to have the most advantage because of combo power. And that's just... That's it. It's just because of combo power. It's not because they have more play lines, more options. No, it's just combo power. If you take combo power, uh, the concept of comboing, well, at least the concept of comboing defensively. Comboing offensively should, you know, I was thinking of that concept like, what if they took comboing 
defensively off the game. Right? Take that out, make it where the only time you could combo is during your uh, offense step and make it where there is no combo defense step-wise. How, how different would the game be, right? Which means if you don't want to take damage, you better negate or block because there is no defense step for you to combo, out-combo the attack, right? That means your opponent can swing with a 10K, combo 5K, just so they can make sure they hit because you didn't block or negate, which means blocking and negating becomes that much more valuable, right? That much more must have. You must have the ability to block. You must have the ability to negate, because if not, you'll take damage. So that would be interesting. Just like I you know, talked about the whole maximum hand size thing. It'd just be interesting to see that you know, maybe I get lucky someday. Me and my partner will uh, play test that concept, right? Test out the idea of only comboing offensively, not defensively, and uh, maximum hand size, and just see how the game plays out that way. You know, and if it's a bad idea, then it's a bad idea, right? And we'll find out by testing it out. But you never know; it might actually be a good idea. It might actually be the solution to a lot of these, uh, a lot of the problems we have, like competitively, right? The reason why we have best of one is because of time restraints, right? To, you know, speed the, speed the game up. So that's why we do the best of one, best of one pre-side and all that stuff. When, you know, it, it would be better to play best of three. Um, because like I said, you know, me personally, the way, you know, I mean, I'm used to playing best of one because essentially that's how I mainly play on untap is one game at a time. I don't pay, play best of, you know, best of three against everybody that I play on. Untap is always best of one, so I'm already used to it. But, you know, to me, best of three is technically best of one, but three times. <laughs> That's essentially what it is. Three times with the same opponent. Uh, and again, always win game one, regardless if it's best of one, best of three. Always win game one. You have a better chance of uh, winning out the game in general if you win best of one i mean in, you know game one obviously in best of one winning game one is always the thing you want to do because that's how you win period right in best of one but in best of three you definitely want to win game one because it increases your chances of winning uh the game so always keep that in mind plus your goal should be to get good to the point where you can consistently win game one um because if you can consistently win game one you should be able to, you know, potentially win game two, you know, because you have the experience. And you have uh, the deck that uh, best suits you for that um, that result. It's not too different from, like, a, a car. Like, let's say you're, you're better driving a Lamborghini than you are driving a Ferrari, you know. So, you, so if you were to race somebody else who is driving a Ferrari... Let's say the Ferrari and the Lamborghini speed-wise are, are, are similar, the same, but there are some slight differences, right? The turn radius of a, Lam a Lamborghini is probably better than a Ferrari, and you are better handling the, the, that turning capability, or just, it just it's better at turning, so you don't even have to be that good at turning because the car already is good at turning, so you're just taking advantage of that aspect. But let's say you swapped and you and you got in the Ferrari and your opponent got in the in the Lamborghini and you started you know driving right racing, then if you are good right at you know turning and stuff like that, that makes up for the car's lack of being good at turning right naturally. Like you'll be able to compensate. That's the thing. You're able to you're able to bring to the deck what the deck is lacking and vice versa. You know. This is why I always say the the whole like. Players with less experience, you know, benefit more from decks like Soul Striker, decks like Dark Broly, you know, things that make the game easier for the person who's playing the deck so they don't have to be good. Like, like when I was talking about, like, turn one and turn two, you know, 15Ks, 20K attackers, I mean, 10Ks and 15Ks are, are good, but after that you need something that's 30K plus, you know, to do, you know, to do good uh, late game, right? But if you're playing Dark Broly, you have 30Ks, turn one, turn two, turn three, turn four, all the way until the end of the game. So you're always playing 30Ks. If you combo, you can easily turn the 30K into a 40K, or maybe up to a 50K or even 60K, depending how much you're comboing, right? So with a deck like that, it makes the power aspect of it much easier because it's already built into the deck. 
But here's the thing, you don't have to play Dark Brutal, you have a whole bunch of 30Ks in your deck. You can literally build a deck with a whole bunch of 30Ks. Just get a whole bunch of different 30Ks that you can play for relatively cheap, throw them into, this, into a deck, and there you go. You have, you have something similar to a, bro, a Dark Broly deck, you know? And I was already doing that 30K, you know, deck concept before Dark Broly was even a thing. But, you know, once once Dark Broly became a thing, well, people started playing it, right? It definitely made it easier since it was all themed out. It was all built to do, you know, the the idea of throwing, throwing out 30Ks left and right and gave them cool effects on top of that, right? Not just making a whole bunch of 30K, you know, you know, battle cards that you could play out for cheap. They could have done that. They could have made them, you know, technically skillless, right? The, the only skill they have is the ability to be played for cheap. But they actually gave them extra effects. So it's like, oh, that's powerful. Um, <clears throat> not against it. I'm a fan, of course. But it was just the idea that it's like, oh, well, see, that's the that, that's the point. You know, I already, I already start seeing the value of things that have dual attack, things that are 30K plus, you know, and trying to incorporate that into a lot of decks, right? The idea of playing, you know, floodgate negates more than just regular single negates, trying to get away from single negates because there's going to be times where you're going to need that floodgate uh, negate way more than a single negate. Um, free play negates like sparking negates, using them more than regular negates. So if you're going to, so it's a combination of sparking negates and uh, floodgate negates because you'll play the floodgate negate first, obviously. But the sparking negate, right, or the free play negate, like a like a blocker, uh, like a, a blocker negate, is for when your opponent is is capable of bypassing your floodgate negate's ability, right? They're able to pass by your floodgate, and you would need an extra extra defense, especially if you're tapped out. So in a scenario where you're tapped out, you definitely want some form of backup. So that's where that comes into play. Yeah, I'm getting to I'm getting to game theory. Sorry about that. This has been long enough.